Yo, yo. Ahoy, ahoy. How to crank it up. Welcome to the Raging Podcast. I'm Jeff. And I'm Laura. And it is election season in Texas. Woo! At least it's primary election season in Texas. Uh, note for the listeners, this still only impacts one of us, but I'm still interested because it's a fascinating <laughs> place to be. Um, yeah. I mean, meaning only one of us is voting. I'm still interested, so it impacts me in a different way. So it, it, it's really interesting. Um, Texas politics I, I would say Texans care about uh, like like five things. Football. Um, I don't even know what five things. I don't even know. I don't know what order to put them. Like football, religion, barbecue, politics, barbecue. Um, maybe only those. Maybe that's it. I don't know what. I don't know what else to put. You just pulled a Rick Perry. That's like awesome. talking about the weather. Mm-hmm. We do that a lot. Like mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know what else to. I, I just said five things in in the sense that. There's a few things that really is motivating to the state, right? So, like, the National Magazine of Texas, Texas Monthly, has, you know, issues dedicated to these things. So, or, or has, yeah, entire issues, or and sometimes it's things like uh, the legislature of the year, the good and bad list. Sometimes it's the bum steer award. It's, it's. It takes up a lot of bandwidth in the state, like these things. Specifically on politics, it's a very like we've been divided long before the country was divided, um, and we've kind of been divided in three ways. There's there's areas that are strong Democrats strongholds, um, not necessarily really like staunch progressive Democrats, but like more like moderate moderate Democrats because we used to just be kind of a moderate state in general. Well, T.O., Democrat back in the day, which would have been 80s, 70s, 80s, was meant something different in Texas than it does now. So that we were, yeah. it was a stronger Democratic state, but that was that meant something different 30 years ago. <clears throat> so Democrat state, now is more liberal is what we're talking about. For The state didn't necessarily take up social issues. It was largely fiscal we only meet in our legislative session. Our legislature is a part-time legislature. They only meet every other year. And so we're an off year. Why is that? Why are they so slackers? I, I think generally we believe the the less a government is, the less the legislature is meeting, the fewer options they have to screw up, maybe. Uh, I, I don't, it, it, it's, they, Texas was trying, was trying to be built as a low, legislative state that we don't have legislators that are always um, changing laws and changing things too much. So we wanted to try to like have a lot of local autonomy and not over legislate the state. So they only meet four months every other year. I want that job now. Yeah. Well, it doesn't actually pay that well. Okay. Well, that's probably why they only meet every other year, four months a year. Okay. That's good to know. They get really good retirement benefits. Hmm. So the problem, the problem with that, though, is you can only have people elected who can afford to take four months off their job. So business owners, you know, partners in law firms, like you don't get normal, like there's no normal people 
in those elected offices because they can't really, you can't be a teacher and just take four months off in the spring. So, and, and love. And so it does cause issues on the type of people that they get selected. So, so like I could as a faculty member, essentially, that, yeah. that sounds like a good plan. You could take off a semester. Yeah. So, so we have, um, so two sessions ago, so, so last year was, uh, 17, 15, maybe it started in 15. I don't think it was 13, but 15, we really had like a three party state. There was Democrats, Mm -hmm. there was normal Republicans and there was tea party Republicans. And really the fights came between the normals and the normal Republicans and the, and the tea party and the tea party were the super progressive, um, the people who were trying to pass the bathroom bill last year, and they're largely from they're largely in the Senate of the state, and they are largely from suburban areas of uh, larger cities. So the most urban areas of cities had Democrats elected, and then the the House representatives, which you know covers the entire state. If you're from like San Angelo or Avalon or Midland, like West Texas, you're more moderate in your Republican thinking. So the example I heard was, it's like a couple blueberries in tomato soup is the expression. So I live in a blueberry. You live I, in a blueberry. Yeah. And, and, and so, and really like Harris County, which is Houston, a lot of blueberries around that area. Mm-hmm. Like every major, Houston, area, yeah, every Austin. major metropolitan area is would vote democrat the suburbs and the small towns would vote republican and then the however i I gotta say that saying does disregard the whole valley Mm -hmm. all along the border to el paso uh, is democrat but low lower voter turnouts generally uh to the the percentage of population all that to be said is Last year, there was a major throwdown in our state legislature because the really conservative um, lieutenant governor, Dan Patrick, um, was trying to pass bathroom bills and was trying to pass. He's a, he's a big school choice advocate. He's, uh, he tries to berate public education as much as possible. He um, belittles public educators when he gets the chance to. And he... Uh, was really stopped by the um, Speaker of the House uh, from San Antonio. His name is Joe Strauss. Joe Strauss is not running for re-election, though. So there's a lot of up in the there's a lot up in the air right now. Why is he not running for re-election? I um, a lot of people think he has bigger political aspirations, and if he does, no one knows what those are now. Okay. It could just be that he's exhausted because he is constantly getting beat up by his own party because he's not conservative enough, is what they would say. Hmm. But also he was protecting, like, the whole business community is like, if you do bathroom bills, like, they, they weren't necessarily standing on, like, the morality of the bathroom bill and how it was wrong. They were standing on, um, this state's going to lose millions of dollars if you, if you pass this bathroom bill. Like, conferences aren't coming here. The incidentally Fund of Four is not coming here. All these things aren't coming here. So did not, did not learn from North Carolina. So point of information, I knew about Dan Patrick first when I moved to Texas, uh, him as a radio show host, like a sports talk radio program. Does Different Dan Patrick. Okay. Wait, okay. There's, uh, this, this part is confusing. 
There's Dan Patrick, the sports guy. Okay. There's Dan Patrick, the politician, who used to have a, a radio, radio television show. Oh, okay. Houston area, but it wasn't sports. I don't okay. know what. I think it was just local Houston politics. Okay, because I, I did read somewhere he had it, so I didn't think it was the same person. I just want to clarify. Thank you. Carry on. Um, so Dan Patrick has been involved in politics for a while. Yes, he was a, I don't know how he got started, but at one point he was the uh, a state senator from the Houston area that ran and kind of dethroned this guy named David Dewhurst, who was the, the lieutenant governor for several years. So all that, that's all background information. This year for this primary election, educators have started to rally and they've started to come together and they started to, to call themselves educrats. Yes. And they started to, to try to organize. Now, a part of this is there has been fights from the attorney general's office saying that um, the attorney general gave a non-binding I want to say decree. That's not the right word. A non-binding ruling that schools cannot bring students to vote, uh, and because it's not educational, is basically what it says. You can go to the rodeo. You can go to whatever else you go to in Texas for field trips, but you can't bring students of voting age to vote because it's not educational. Uh, largely because they're afraid that teachers are trying to get people, kids, to vote for education causes. And so they also went so far as to uh, a, a, a political, I don't know if they call it a political pack or not, but um, Empower Texas has mm-hmm. um, an open records request and mailed letters to teachers saying that we need whistleblowers, you know, please, you know, join our cause and both whistles. And that completely backfired on them. And there's been several articles in the Houston Chronicle and the, the Texas Tribune around this whistleblowing thing because people started blowing whistles on I'm blowing the whistle on my neighbor who spends $5,000 for own money to buy kids lunch. I'm blowing the whistle on my husband who gave his winter coat to a student who was cold today. So the whole internet became this like amazing teacher stories of, of uh, whistleblowing, which happened just days before the Florida shooting. And so, like, my blowing the whistle was, imagine being a public school teacher and going to work the day after. That had to be the hardest job that day. It's a hard job every day, but that day had to be a hard job and hard conversations. And you're probably scared and you don't want to go, but they, they went anyway. So, so, so another side note, two notes. One, um, Texas is anti-union. And so that's probably why they're like, tell us who's doing what and rat out your fellow teacher. And I, point two, was a K-12 teacher at one point. So, and, but I came from a state and province that was very unionized and backed the teachers in different ways. So what they do with teachers in this state just baffles me. And I'm not even going to get to the star and whatever core, non-comic core they have. But that lack of support is just terrible. Like, so tell me about your involvement in this situation then. Okay. So, uh, so there's a, there's a group and I, I think it's, I'm, I'm going to look at the name fast. I think they're just called, um, 
I think they're just called Texans for uh, Texans for Public Schools, but I want to okay. get the right name. And so, side note: Empower Texans is the anti-educator group. Is that correct? Yeah, they're, okay. they're they have the they have like the Ted Cruz agenda. Like they're like That's the super what I yeah the, the the super conservative uh, the super conservative group. Okay, so Texans for Public Education. Um, and I think it says Texans for E on Twitter, or maybe it's Texas for Texans for Ed on Twitter. Um, they've started this blog movement. And so they have a website made on like Wix, like this really simple website made on Wix, and they use Google Docs. And they have a um, Facebook group, which is now 22,489 members. Ooh. And to be, you have to, you have to um, ask to join the group, and you have to commit to block voting going in. And so what they've done is they have used um, really Facebook and Google Docs as a way of crowdsourcing information. Mm -hmm. They've gone through every state race and they've determined, are they education friendly? Are they education unfriendly? Or or are they neutral? And so the, the point of the black voting is we are supporting education-friendly candidates. Now, in Texas, there's, in Texas, there's um, party primaries, right. but you do not have to commit to a, you have, you do not have to commit to a party. So you can show up on voting day and you can say, I'm going to vote Republican. Or I'm going to vote Democrat. And so you can, you can walk in and you can, and you, you can, can vote on, you can vote on platform versus like a party. Yeah. So, okay. well, well you, ha- you have to pick a party on that day, but you're okay. not, you're not committed to it forever. Okay. And so, and so what the teacher movement is doing is they are committed to vote for Republicans because there are pro-education Republicans that just need a chance to get in there. And so one of them is from your area-ish. He's from Rockwall. His name is Scott Milder. Okay. He has started, I think it's called uh, uh, Texans for Public Education. Uh, he, he, uh, Friends of Public Education. That's the group that he and his wife started, who is his wife is a teacher. He worked in school districts as a communications officer for a while. And so he's running against Dan Patrick for lieutenant governor. This would be the David and Goliath story of all elections, but it's been kind of great to see the momentum behind him from teachers. Um, we hosted an event for him on Sunday, and so he came to San Antonio and had an event here, and his his entire platform is supporting public education. He's not talking about bathroom bills or gun rights or whatever it is, because everyone who's committed to sign up for this group, like this is the one thing we are making our decision on right now, because we're at such a crossroads in our state funding for education that this legislative session session is too costly to not do this. So. Uh, I met him Sunday and I went in yesterday and I uh, voted Republican. I got to vote for Scott Milder and I got to vote against uh, our state senator who's pretty horrible too. And, and I left a lot of things blank. Are you talking about the A-bot? Um, um, oh no, that's governor. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, so I left some things blank. Like I did not vote yeah. for the A-bots. I did not vote for <laughs> Ted Cruz. I did not vote for, Several judges, because there's like a thousand judges that that were up, up for election, 
And I voted for the most school-friendly people that were on that were on the ballot. And then and I, I would probably vote for Scott Mulder in the general election. But when you get to the uh, general election, which is actually in November, so we're voting super early. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So the the actual I, I did early voting. Actual election day I think is March six. That's this of this year. Yes. Um, so this is primary. So I'm not able to vote in this round. A year from now, I should be able to. What you're talking about essentially is aggregating knowledge in platform stuff that doesn't get ever put out there because it's convoluted by ads that are run by political campaigns. And so the the ads that are up now, um, we see Dan Patrick substanding with the 45 and supporting a border wall is one of his. And there's two actually Republicans that are going against each other locally. And one of their ads sounded really good for, I was like, I'd vote for them. They sound, they're socialists. They support school. I was like, yeah, as a, as a liberal, I would vote for that way. That sounds really great. It doesn't sound Republican. So there there are, so what's interesting and not to get too, uh, I mean, I guess we've already talked about Texas politics. So why not? Why something now? Yeah. <clears throat> there are about four people that the, the governor has decided that he does not want to get elected in his own party and is going against the incumbent to spend millions of dollars to back uh, a, com- a competitor. So one of them is in San Antonio. One of them is in um, Houston. The lady, uh, um, Sarah, oh gosh, I can't think of what, I can't remember her last name. But she basically represents the medical center in Houston, which is one of the largest medical centers in the in the, in the nation. Mm-hmm. And he's pr- he's trying to push like a a vaccine truther to 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 run against her. And so, okay, so yeah. this is scary because this is coming up, and we have other things into play that haven't been resolved or figured out. <laughs> um, it turns in politics and what influences it, and. I don't know if this is is coming up on um, your radar since people pay for ads on Facebook and we know that there's fake Twitter accounts they're trying to get rid of, but there's a real influence and implication coming up in the other media. So not just like a regular news and commercial media that comes through radio and television, but the other media that's social or in apps. Uh, what does that mean for how people are making decisions or being informed? So, so that's a good question. And I think I don't spend time on Facebook. I don't watch TV. I mean, no one's buying ad space in Spurs games. So I haven't, so I haven't seen a political ad and I haven't seen it on online. I listen to, we have a pretty outstanding Texas news source here called the Texas Tribune. Mm-hmm. Which is which is uh, I, I don't even know what the equivalent is because they cover Texas politics in a very non-biased way. Um, they're like old school journalism in a new school in a uh, newer, more modern format. Mm-hmm. Of you know they you know, utilize podcasts, they do they do a live events, they have their own festival, uh, but they're they're covering Texas policy and they they they're great at it, and so. I get most of my like local Texas news from them. I do read the local newspaper and I do follow like a uh, Houston Chronicle po- uh, political reporter. 
so like outside of them, I don't really, like I, I've very filtered down my news sources. All right. So, like, so you're not your typical Texan fully though. So I would be concerned that not everyone's doing their due diligence on research. Unless, unless there's a, yeah. unless there's an area of passion. So maybe there is something around medical marijuana or schools, or there's something that they're really up in arms about. Then how involved or how informed do you think people are going to get beyond what they use? So Texas is typically a low voter turnout state. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if there's a presidential election, they'll have um, higher voter turnout, but typically it's a low voter turnout state. Is that because of the restrictions or the, cause they were talking about this I, voter ID and even before that. Okay. I, I think those voter, and we can, we can talk about this in um, a future podcast. I think the whole voter ID laws is because they're looking at the demographics of the state Okay. And based on the demographic changes alone, as as the uh, Latino population has continued to grow in Texas, it, Texas could become a, a blue state if they could uh, if they could get certain populations to register to vote and and, vote, and be active voters. Yeah. So so I think that's trying to be like a preemptive strike for for them. I think for. Um, I, I don't honestly, I don't know the reason why, but, but in presidential elections, there's a significantly higher number of, uh, percentage of voters in, um, primaries it's lower and especially like non-presidential primaries, it's really low. Right. Now I will say this year, there has been a lot of excitement around, uh, Beto O'Rourke to run against Ted Cruz and in a few local races around, around Democrats, like Beto O'Rourke is a legit competitor at this point against Cruz. He's out fundraising him and he's not taking any PAC money. So every weekend he basically drives around the state and goes to small towns, goes to big cities and, and just holds events. So he's doing, he's doing like the campaign hustle that we actually saw Trump do. Um, which is yeah. going out to places where it don't really get reached. Yeah. He, he drives a Toyota Tundra that was made in San Antonio. Uh, Beto is from uh, El Paso. Okay. He flies someplace every weekend with, gets in his Toyota Tundra and just drives to like 20 different events in a weekend and then goes back to DC. What's, what's, um, his background before he was into po- in politics? So, uh, he was in a punk rock band. You had me there. Keep going. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, from El Paso, he looks like John Kennedy, kind of, and he went to school at one of those smarty schools and was in a punk rock band. And I think they were actually decent, or maybe like the band was decent, but he wasn't decent. And then he came back to El Paso, and just started working there. And then I think he ran for city council and then ran for state rep. I don't think it was mayor, but I think it was the city council and then ran for state rep. Okay. He gave himself a term limit, um, as a state rep and he's, this is the end of his, his term limit. So as running for Senator, I think, I think he said he'd only be a Senator for two terms and there's six year terms. So it's 12 years. And then he would term limit himself as a, as a Senator, Senator also. 
he's a pretty compelling individual and he works extremely hard and has tons of energy. I, it's exhausting to listen to him. He, uh, <laughs> These are all important things of politicians, to be honest. Like if you really yeah. want to be in it and ca- show you care, you have to show up these days. And it's not – yeah. He has a really good interview with uh, Sam Sanders about a month ago on It's Been a Minute. Oh, I have – I heard that one. Yeah. We'll put it in the show uh, notes for listeners. It is, it's really good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's a – there's um, – a congressional district. I'm sure the listeners love this Texas politics uh, mm-hmm. podcast. This is a congressional district that runs from San Antonio to basically like right outside of El Paso. It covers two time zones and like 25 counties, and it's got to be like a 600 miles. And Gosh, um, who's doing those lines? Those gerrymandering people need to fix that. The San Antonio congressional districts all gerrymandered around, but. Ugh. Yeah. So, um, and it is a um, anomaly of a politician. It's a black Republican. His name is Will Hurd, um, but he's um, he's not like a party line guy. He he was he worked in um, the CIA for a while and did special ops or I don't know special ops sounds CIA. I don't know exactly what he did. But worked abroad. <laughs> he did some fascinating things. He's not allowed to talk about right now. Okay, so I essentially, because it sounds really cool, I guess. <laughs> and uh, came back to San Antonio, worked in technology, and then uh, started being the representative from his home area. He's in the Halotus area of San Antonio, and his area butts up against um, Beto O'Rourke's in El Paso. So San Antonio okay. El Paso, if you drove, it's probably eight hour drive, and that's yes. and Will Hurt is is um, is that area. Well, they were at an event together about a year ago, um, and the flights were their flights were canceled. Maybe they're going to fly out of Austin or somewhere, and their flights were canceled. And so the two of them rented a car and drove Road from trips. Texas to, to DC, and they uh, Facebook lived it. That's so ridiculous. They are like awesome. legitimate friends, and they see eye to eye on a lot of things. And it was a really, it was a really interesting like like you know buddy film road trip across the country. So like they stopped at Whataburger together, and you know that like all this all this stuff. So, <laughs> so um, Sam Sanders interviewed both of them. One I think was before the holidays. One was after the holidays, but. Okay, I'll have to check out. I remember the Beto one. I don't know if I did the hurt. All right, so really what people do need for every state, like the uh, state of Texas, is to find your Jeff Jackson, and then he will give you the rundown of the cliff notes you need to know, and he may um, give a cause for a Republican or a Democrat or let you know about the issue. So you're essentially just taking platform politics from the Netherlands, and you're trying to apply it to the state. <laughs> is what I'm thinking. We, we don't have enough. We don't have enough parties here. No, but um, but the idea of I do think platforms are really important, and if they're going to follow through with um, what they say they're going to do, then I think that's a critical thing. Like I, I don't know. You know, I, we hate this party thing. Like go listen to the Triscuits episode. I mean, yeah. the one the one and no choice. But I, I I think you're right. Is making issues brought to light. Who's talking about what, and not the rhetoric that might get tossed out from a one liner, from an ad, or from something you see. I don't know. So I have a friend on the editorial board, and he always kind of grounds me 
around Texas politics. So if I, if I kind of like get myself to think like, oh, this is a completely reasonable expectation that this person can win, he's like, like no, like based on the demographics of this area and the boundaries or whatever, like an R is always going to win this race. Like this Democrat doesn't have a chance of this race. And even he says this election feels different. Like there is some momentum around this election that feels different. And it may not happen. The Republicans are still the clear favorites in a lot of these races. And I mean, in among the Republicans, the Dan Patrick is far and beyond probably like, like an 80 point favorite to beat Scott Milder. But there are 20,000 teachers that are like rallying and voting and educating their peers and bringing in their parents to the polls and talking to their sons. And a lot of those teachers are jumping party lines. Like they voted Democrat most of their life, but they're like, this is too important for education in the state. And for this time, I'm going to jump the party line and hold on nose and vote for Scott Milder and a couple other educator, a couple other pro-education Republicans and do it. And then in the general election, you can vote for whoever you want to. Um, but they, they just got to get those pro-education people through the primaries. Well, they have some concerns, like especially when funding is already strapped at most areas. And I don't know. I think it's I think it's great to hear that educators are, are going to educate others on going to the polls, especially, you're right, families. Uh, you have people that may have never voted before. You have folks that are in different areas that they don't really care. They live in a small town. They're like, how is this like big politician going to impact me in my small town? Because we self-govern, as you talked about earlier in Texas. And I think, I don't know, I... I think there should be change. Uh, a side note, Jeff does really like Pod Safe America as well. So he likes politics on both sides and listening to both points of view. Are there other ways that people can inform themselves? So we're in Texas. You've talked about Texas. What are some other ways that we can share good ways to inform what's going on on the primaries? Because I think it does matter in a lot of states yeah. for different reasons for issues and whatnot. So what do you recommend? So, um, really quick shout out to, to Pod State America. I don't listen to them as much as I used to because I'm trying. I was trying to get the the voice of parties out of my head, mm-hmm. um, though they are really entertaining. <laughs> yeah, they are. Uh, if you don't know, friend of the podcast, Julissa Arce has become a regular with Pod State America. Pod State America is going on tour, and she's coming to the San Antonio show, oh, cool. which confirms me buying tickets to go see them. So I'm going to go see her in the. Pod Save America show in San Antonio, which was in a couple of weeks. It's 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 on the way soon. Um, so, um, I listen to the NPR Politics podcast mm-hmm. to go over national news, and they cover that in the most nonpartisan way possible. Because I think that's, I think it's still important to get news from the most unbiased source possible. Because I don't think, I don't think the uh, solution to Trump is just to get all Democrats. I don't think it's just to get all the other party. I think we need to have reasonable people have have nuanced conversations. And of course, I'm in a dream world now. So, um, so, uh, so I listen to NPR Politics podcast. Um, I Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Does talk about politics and sometimes in a very insightful way. Uh, they don't cover everything because their shows. Um, it's not just a, it's not just about politics. So, um, uh, locally, uh, like statewide, I, I we have the Texas Tribune um, 
podcast that comes out weekly. And then locally, I try to listen to a local show. Oh, and there's also a show called Texas Standard, which is a daily show produced by uh, KUT, the NPR station in uh, Austin. And then, though it's every day, it's an hour, it's really hard to have that much time to listen to it. So that's hard to do. And then locally, there's a show here called The Source. um, The guy's not the best interviewer, but he's like this... I don't know why he has the show, and people think he's awesome. He's hard... They haven't, hard. Heard, they haven't heard you yet, Jackson. He's not. A, he's not a great interviewer. I don't think he really preps and interrupts people. And yeah. Anyway, so I listen to his show based on the topic. I can't. Again, it's every day for an hour to two hours. Yeah. I just don't. Have, I just can't. Don't have that in me to listen to um, all that on, on a daily basis. So I try to have like a local approach and like a statewide approach and a national approach to like listening to things. And I try to. Um, I try to be aware of like the messages that those shows are sending. So I'm not just like sucked into their, whatever their brand of their, their, you know, whatever they're selling. Yeah. And so that being said, I, I enjoy pod save America. I will say it's lefty leaning. Um, and so I probably do enjoy that part, but so I recognize that it's important to read other things and, I, at our house, fortunately, unfortunately, we watch local news, we look and read at uh, papers, uh, Dallas, Dallas Morning News, and other local items. Um, I like critical shows on, about media, so I listen a lot more to On the Media, uh, Brooke mm. Gladstone and yeah. is uh, a big fan of hers. They're, they've been really into figuring out, in the last year, what did they do wrong, and what do they miss in covering election and whose voice is not at the table so i've been appreciating their outreach to recognize we haven't had broader conversations representing people in terms of politics so that they they look at different media slants and shows and programs um and they analyze the media but when they talk about politics i think they kind of came to the table after trump was elected to say what didn't we do and how did we miss that and we need to do better um and then the other show i really like that's not on right now but if you're new to it you can tune in as politically reactive just because they bring in different mm-hmm. voices um so uh, harry condobolo and um, w kamal bell sure are somewhat comedians by trade but you'll see yeah. Har- you'll listen to harry on uh wait wait don't tell me uh what is it? Uh, Shades of America is what Kamal Bell's on, but they really bring on interesting people that don't have such a broad voice and they amplify ideas and messages and concepts and they rant on Bill Maher a lot. Uh, but other than that, um, yeah, I really enjoy um, just hearing about different things that might even bring awareness to, like they, they talk about what the person's working on wherever they are in the country, but they also say there's a local chapter or find this in your area or this is how you can take action. So I kind of like that because I think we underestimate the power um, Jeff's not running yet for campaigns, but we'll see. And uh, you could do other things, though. I, I will say I really, I do, I really do appreciate um, a politically reactive, and I need to. I should listen to that show again. I haven't listened to it in a while because they are giving people who don't have a voice a voice largely, or they're the people who are activists and they're only getting listened to amongst an activist community, and so. 
that really is an important show, and I, I'm I kind of regretful that I haven't listened to it in a while. It's not on now, so you could catch up if you want. Like, it's, there's no new episodes, but um, they're they're in hiatus for a couple of things right now. But yeah, so I guess our lesson for today is find out your local stuff and get informed yeah. and think critically. Yeah. I like it. So, so it's also interesting because people seem to vote for the national elections um, more so than local elections. But really, if you want your vote to count, like, it counts so much more on a local level. There's so much, like just percentage-wise, there's fewer votes. Like, you actually can make actual change on a local level significantly easier than you can on a national level. Can I ask you a personal local level question about government? Yes, you can. Um, you spoke about one time potentially getting involved in local government or education board like things. Is that, is that still happening? So yes, it wouldn't be for a couple of years based on the, the cycles for that. So in a couple of years, yes, um, we are, I am, my wife and I have joined with a few other families on kind of a grassroots public education support group. And that has, um, for the short time we've been organized has gone really well. And so we, uh, political advocacy is a part of this and then just like supporting our local school district as a part of this. And so we brought Scott Milder to San Antonio. We, uh, you know, advertised an event for him for people to come in and, and meet him and to learn more about his, um, pu- uh, public education agenda. We will go to the Capitol next spring to lobby on or to talk to people on behalf of education. We're not a lobbyist group, so we're not going to actually lobby. Um, and we're not a political action committee. We just, we're basically parents who care and educators who just really care um, and really want to instill, instill value in our public schools. Because we have a great school district that we're in, and San Antonio has great school districts around us. We have too many, which that's a different conversation. But the fact that parents are taking their kids out of um, local public schools to go to like these very homogenous um, uh, charter schools that are not doing as good of a job is very infuriating. And so, like, and it's just another way the government's defunding education. Mm-hmm. Well, we're gonna leave. We're gonna leave y'all now to think about what to do locally. I'm gonna definitely help the Jackson campaign 2020. Something. Something. What is it now? 2020. 2020. All right. Boom. Let's go on. Whoever would like to be on my organizing team, don't worry, Julie Larson, we're coming for you for social. Um, <laughs> Gary, what do you want to do? Speech writing? Uh, yeah. So I think. I don't think I could read a Gary speech. Like, it has to be like a, <laughs> uh, someone there with a beeper. Um, like, beeper. Yeah, I would love to hear a Gary speech. Um, cool. Well, I think that's really important. And I. Don't vote yet, but I I am interested in getting involved, and I am going to – I think canvassing is a good idea as well, and bringing – you're right, informing people is really important. So I think what you're doing, getting involved locally, is inspiring, Jackson. I may need to to reach out locally. I'm trying to get F to run for a campaign somewhere, but he won't do it. I look forward to you voting for the first time. One one day soon. A a girl can dream. <laughs> All right, Jay, until next time, fight the power. All right. Have a good week, y'all.